Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with Jonathan Duarte. Jonathan. Hey, hey, how are you doing, John? Great, great. I'm ready to roll. Cool. So why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Jonathan Duarte. I, I've been in the space quite a long time. I started one of the first internet job boards back in 96 and have been, uh, you know, kind of on the forefront of a lot of technology, but in the kind of back of the atmosphere, but have basically been running software companies that, that build technology from the top of the funnel all the way back down the background checks and kind of connecting all the dots. So how'd you end up doing this? Yeah, long story short. So I was a, an ER, what we call ERP consultant back in the day for J.D. Edwards a couple of years out of college. So this is now like 93. And there really, there was no real internet, you know, at that point or not the web. And I got into it because, um, you know, in 96, when I started GoJobs, a friend of mine had told me about this internet thing like the year before. And I was consulting, living in hotel rooms, and said, you know, this just isn't going to work. Um, as 23, you know, you're supposed to be out having fun. And I was working in hotel rooms uh, consulting. So I um, quit my job and said, okay, I'm going to find something new to do. And the whole Internet thing was just blowing up. That year, Netscape went public. And um, I was technologically savvy enough to understand where it was going. And uh, kind of jumped on board. The fact, like I think even most recruiters, how they get into recruiting, you know, they kind of fall in, into it. And our first uh, product we were trying to build was, believe it or not, an IVR system similar to what DICE was doing with a billboard system back in the day. So what are you doing today? You pioneer and now you are doing it again. What's What's the story? Yeah, so I think like three years ago I got – really excited or kind of learn more about text messaging. I mean, text messaging, I've got two kids, an 11 and 13-year-old, and that's how they communicate. And um, But I got interested in how it's working on the B2B side um, because it basically is not being used at all uh, other than in marketing and then in some some smaller areas. And so, you know, since I started in I'd say, you know, not in 96, my premise has always been, how do we get candidates closer to employers and employers closer to candidates at the right time in the right place? And, uh, you know, after 23 years, I've had success. I've had failures uh, trying to get there, but that's always been the rule. And um, what I saw with text messaging and just messaging in general is it is almost like the holy grail of being able to communicate at scale and rapid fire. So I started building chatbots in that space to try to build kind of recruiting automation using that platform. So what does that look like? Um, we build, uh, well, I guess, you know, kind of real life examples is, I like to use this one is, uh, in, in the U.S. right now, of course, re uh, unemployment is pretty much at a 50-year low. And if you look at any retailer, you go to Ikea, you go to uh, Walmart, you go to Sam's Club, every retailer has a sign out front that says now hiring. But the problem is most of those signs lead a candidate on a mobile phone to try to type in 20 characters to some career site. And that doesn't work. I mean, the conversions are terrible. So w the alternative to that is use 
mobile friendly solutions, which is a text messaging platform, and have somebody type in the word jobs and text message that to a computer. And, and instead of redirecting someone to a website, you just get their contact information immediately. You ask them what their first name is, their last name, what kind of job they're looking for, where they're located. Um, and you get 90% of the people to complete that conversation versus a career website, uh, which are great for branding, but they only convert less than 10% of the users. So you lose 90% of the people that ever show up. And so I think that's the difference is then recruiters have the ability to communicate over text um, and get that kind of scalability, which since nobody's opening emails anymore, um, it, it just seems to be working. And well, seems to be working in a very big way. That's interesting. So let me see if I can get what you're saying here. If you use your smartphone to look at a typical career website, while they have made them fit the screen, the, the interface is still as if it were on a desktop. And so it's very hard to fill out that when people come to uh, career websites on their phones, the failure rate is quite high. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with your two disposable thumbs, trying to type in 20 characters like uh, homedepot.com slash careers, and then try to communicate and, and web, you know, we haven't really gone that far. You know, in the 90s, we created web 1.0, and then we created web 2.0, which were now forms, you know, that just dump stuff into a database. We haven't really got to web 3.0 because web is a one-dimensional interface um, or, inter you know, the, the web face. But text messaging is uh, two-way. And that's the difference is you can communicate at scale, which you couldn't do in, in, um, in, on, a web on a web page. That sounds pretty counterintuitive. You know, it's a step. If, if you've got a form that can be filled out, so you ask all the questions at once, it, it's pretty counterintuitive to say that a better way to do that is ask the questions one at a time. Yeah, um, but and I, I, I agree. And, that's, you know, when we were first testing this stuff, it was like, God, you know, this is just weird. Um, but, you know, it, we were going to test a hypothesis. So uh, my friend and I, my co-founder, uh, Mike, and I, we created a chatbot on Facebook Messenger in, 96, in uh, 2016. And um, our hypothesis was, let's just see if people would communicate over Messenger um, and look for a job. And we had no idea what was going to happen. Surprisingly enough, that chatbot Gobi, our first one, went uh, viral to 103 countries in 30 days with no marketing. And we're like, wow, people will use their thumbs instead of a keyboard. And that's the majority of our workforce. They don't sit behind computers every day. The majority of the workforce doesn't sit behind computers every day. Do you have, do you have stats about that? That's really interesting. Yeah, I think... Um, I. I don't have off the top of my head, but I think that what's the hourly, the hourly part-time workforce in the U.S. is something like 60 million, and let's just say hypothetically it's 160 million in the workforce. Um, that's just the part-time. Um, but if you look at the retail, hospitality, uh, that workforce, the construction, logistics, trucks, drivers, those numbers start, you know, going over 50% of the U.S. workforce um, pretty quickly. I just don't have the numbers in front of me. That's great. That's great. That, that's really interesting. So now, 
Now we've got a system that asks you the questions one at a time. Is there anything mm-hmm. to a chatbot that's more than that? Yeah, absolutely. Like you can get to a position, and I think this is where everyone's trying to get to. And you know, we talk about the Gartner curve about uh, early adopters and how interesting everyone got in uh, 2017 about AI. Um, and the the reality is is when you in this kind of Gartner curve, if you kind of look at it, is everyone gets really excited excited about a new technology, uh, and and you can see that early part of that Gartner curve come in. And the reason you see that is because everyone's throwing ideas at it, but it takes a lot of ideas to actually get to solve real problems. And so that curve starts dropping off. And then you start coming back with the entrepreneurs who really got what we call product market fit, which is a solution where uh, we found a problem, in, in this case, maybe a recruiting problem, one of the many, but how do you communicate at scale? Um, and you found how it wor- fits into the workflow, and the technology was good enough that it didn't seem off um, and you weren't talking to a computer or it didn't go into error loops. So I think we're still on that kind of top of a lot of people throwing stuff at um, AI and our perceptions are that we should be driving cars, you know, autonomously, but recruiting is still a very workflow intensive process. Um, And I think AI is going to be coming. I I mean, it's coming, but are we going to see it? in the normal mid-market, um, you know, where most people are hired right away? No, it's still going to take a little time because everyone, especially in HR, their workflows are different. The tech stacks are different. We've got 220 ATS companies. Um, it's going to take some time before the technology catches up to the reality of HR and recruiting and a human workforce. So, so again, when the, this means that when you talk about chatbots, you're really talking about a tool that uses text to acquire the exact same information that you'd have on an application for a job on a website. Is that right? Uh, it, yeah, and it might be a little bit, um, I would say it's not as good of the data that you could get from um, a web page because someone's sitting behind a keyboard has a lot more keys and it's easier to type in. Um, you know, we know that there's a failure rate of candidates applying via mobile, which is about less than 30% of candidates apply via mobile, but they apparently, the other numbers say that 70% of candidates are using mobile to find jobs. So there's a drop off. And what the problem is, is that it's, you know, we still have Word document resumes. So that kind of workforce that's computer driven, um, i.e., you know, the professional workforce, that workforce is still going to be web-based because there's a lot of resumes and bigger documents that need to get, you know, put around. But your hourly server at TGI Fridays or the hotel front desk or the um, the Uber driver, these, these individuals don't need resumes to perform their job or to get hired. They just need a structured sequence of questions. And they're usually short and quick. That's that's interesting. So so I keep hearing people talk about um, the chatbots that are much smarter than this sounds. Right? This is this is like you pay yeah. somebody to stand on a street corner and read the questions on the uh, 
uh, job application to the to the person applying for the job and collect the answers one at a time. And I, I keep hearing this stuff about things that are more sophisticated than that, but but it doesn't seem like it's actually happening. Yeah, it's you know there are companies out there that are putting together really sophisticated AI and NLP uh, programs, and we use some NLP or we call it natural language uh, processing within a chatbot as well. But we're not trying. I think this is the kind of difference is as a twenty year exec in this industry, it's about trying to solve the problem today. And we've got really big problems today. That's where the market's going to buy for the most part. There are companies and early adopters in the enterprise who have bigger problems and they need a longer-term solution. So they have the money and effort and resources to invest in technology for five years or 10 years. And so that, that's the exciting stuff, the top of that uh, Gartner curve. But that's not going to hit mid-market anytime soon. And so um, when you see say, oh, we have a chatbot that can essentially just read your brain, that's just not really going to happen. But you can have a chatbot that will walk you through a script, help the employers uh, get more candidates, especially in the retail where they're just dying for candidates right now, uh, very quickly. And, and the conversion rates are much, much higher than a web page. That's, that's interesting. So do you call those two different kinds of chatbot different things? Do you have language for that? Yeah, I think a lot of people are using the word, um, you know, so uh, there's kind of two, a lot of words. I mean, everyone's been using AI and artificial intelligence, but if you kind of break that down in our area, in a chatbot, there's really kind of scripted chatbots, which is kind of customized question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, and you can have some derivations or fork those conversations. That's all fine. Uh, it's very, it's a much lower tech a solution than have a, a computer trying to understand the question and answering open-ended questions um, and then relate that to a specific job um, versus a category of jobs. Um, so the artificial intelligence is really about trying to understand open text and responding accordingly, but in a scripted technology, it's much cheaper and easier to implement um, than trying to use the AI part of it and uh, or to that, that extent. So that's where we're focusing more of on the scripting side. And I think that's where the, um, the immediate potential for the ma majority of the market is. While the AI is coming, it's just going to be really expensive for a lot of people to implement. So tell me about the, um, the work required to install the kind of chatbot that you guys sell. Yeah, so our, we'll just use two examples. I mean, the primary chatbots that our clients are looking for is either a web chat uh, that sits on a website, kind of like if you're going to Comcast or your cable company and you're going to ask a question. Um, and Or you could imagine a candidate showing up to your career site, and again, 90% of the people who visit your career site just disappear. Um, and then there's the text chat. And Text chat is really you just texting into a phone number. So what it takes to actually implement one of these things is um, we just, you know, we have the technology in the back end. What we do is we help the client write the script for what they want to do. And in this case, it's almost um, uh, germane. Everyone's kind of doing a lot of the same thing. So 
we'll get to the point where we can rapid fire these out, but it's not there yet. The idea is how do you create a script that's on brand, on message, uh, and uh, responds to the candidates in, um, in approved way for the brand. So we'll go ahead, write the script, we provide the technology, then we just hand it over uh, to the client and give them a phone number, and in many cases we can do that in 24 hours. Uh, that's that's really really interesting. So, so are you like doing thousands of these, or how? Where are you in the process? Yeah, we're still under the hundred mark. Um, it's it. You know the the problem is is uh, and and thanks again for having me on the show. Is it's the education process. There are a lot of other real big problems in recruiting and trying to take the time to understand this as a TA leader of what the benefits are um, has been hard. So it's new technology. So we just don't have the bandwidth of the VPs of HR to understand what the stuff can do. And, and of course, because it's a new market, there aren't that many case studies. So it's an education process. As that as the market gets educated and they understand that it's quick to implement, it doesn't take a lot of internal resources and the return on investments much higher, um, it'll get to market faster. And so that's where I think most of us are is there's a lot of venture, you know, backed companies in the space and um, we're uh, self-funded. So it's a little bit different of how do you get to all these people um, as quickly as possible. So one of the things I've noticed about about um, some of the people buying the stuff that I've gotten to know is it's very difficult for them to tell what's a good company to do business with and what's not a good company to do business with. And as a result, um, you find people going, oh, those people who had the really nice offices with the really big view of San Francisco and $50 million <laughs> in venture backing. That's a good business, uh, and these little people in in bad offices with bad lighting and lots of pizza boxes in the corner, that's a bad business. Um, <laughs> how do you ha- – you know what I mean, right? It's, am I, I right or what? I, you, totally, and, you know, there's a lot here's – the, here's the thing. As a VP of TA, if you're going to go walk into the CEO's office and tell them you're going to – uh, work with this company who can barely get a presentation together because they're not marketing people, uh, but their technology is awesome uh, and the ROI is great. You're taking a risk uh, versus the you know guy who shows up on Forbes magazine with the greatest thing since sliced bread. That's an easier sale and the risk is less. So how do you how do you get across you know? that and and i've had clients say hey you know we're really interested in your technology it's awesome do you do ai because that's what our vp wants i'm like i can spell ai as much as he needs it so um it's really not um i think the best way of looking at this is that when you're looking at a platform of technology find a vendor who knows your space and can solve your problem any technology in HR is about solving a problem. If the vendor can solve your problem and understand your problem and has an innate understanding of your business and your workflow, they're the people you want to work with. It doesn't matter how much venture capital they've spun out and lost because they don't understand your problem um, or how great their glossies look. 
it's really about finding a company that can understand your problem and implement what you're trying to do. That's that's a tough message to carry. You, you know, that's that's the the old smelly person in the corner is not, is is better than the guy in the shiny suit. That's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when you see those forty by forty booths at HR Tech in November, just ask uh, the salesperson how how many years of experience or what kind of workflow problems they've been able to solve, and just and then head right over to the uh, to the uh, cheap booths in the side seat and the uh, the non-venture guys, and you'll find out somebody who can rewrite your entire code base in a couple hours. <laughs> That's great. So, so a lot of what goes on in, in AI involves using open source stuff. I assume that, that you use open source material to get a bunch of your work done. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we um, we actually started our first chatbots we wrote on the Facebook platform uh, using a tool called Motion.ai that um, quickly we realized wasn't scalable. Uh, and scalable meaning, uh, you know, this this makes sense to the to enterprise buyers is that somebody else owned the code that was the framework, and uh, that was good to do what we call a proof of concept or an MVP or, you know, uh, trying to get to the market uh, and understanding the use cases. Uh, and those things work. Um, and then for the AI side, there's lots of tools for NLP that can that you can use, like companies called Wit.ai that was purchased by Facebook. And the company called Motion.ai was, was bought by HubSpot. So there's all these tools out there. Um, versus going to an IBM Watson, where it's gonna cost you a little bit more, but it's stable, it's a platform, many people are using it. So there's that, uh, do you use something that is a free, free or low cost that might get you there, or do you have to pay for something that's going to get you longer and stable? And that's where, after actually a little bit of time doing this and doing some pilots with some clients, we actually built our own framework. So we own our own code every line of it versus other companies that are you know outsourcing parts of that code which then causes problems if they have a client who needs a der you know a derivation or customization to the code um but outsourcing you know anytime you're going to outsource part of your code with open source stuff um it's great you can get to market faster but you have the potential that you just don't own what you're uh, doing and there are uh Chatbot companies in this space saying, hey, you know, we're the greatest thing since sliced bread and they don't own any of their code. So their scalability is, is going to become a problem when that company needs a little bit more. They want to do some other kind of um, uh, use cases that the company doesn't actually own the code and can't support. So last thing is uh, there's, there's a cloud of ethical issues around um, the new technologies that are emerging. What are the big ethical issues in your work? Ours right now, like here's here's my take on AI, I, and I'll do it real quick. So because I may, may not answer your question directly, but in 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 my opinion, AI um, is going to be a hard sell to the VP of HR when you're talking about um, a computer answering a question. Uh, on behalf of the company. 
that would be what we would consider real AI, or I think you and I agree that that would be the more human approach to AI is it could solve problems on itself. Um, you can't give a, you know, a computer the opportunity to answer a compliance question uh, yet. And I don't know if we're ever going to completely outsource that. Um, I don't think any VP of HR is ever going to sign a check to a company who says we're going to outsource your uh, compliance. So I think we're uh, at this point where AI can be useful, but it's going to always be a kind of a partner. It might be the person who sits next to you in the, in the pool as a tool, but it's not going to be the front person uh, to a lot of solutions. So ethically, uh, the other side of this is the um, uh, the diversity and the um, other problems you have within uh, biases. And we don't actually deal with that that much because we're not trying to scrape resumes and match them. Um, you know, like companies like Textio can help on uh, that side, but that's not our side. So from our side, we don't have too many ethical questions about how AI is uh, implementing thus far. But that did that help kind of answer some of that stuff for you? Well, well, well that's a piece of it. But let's just let's just poke a little bit harder and yeah. go. Uh, what what are the uh, diversity stats associated with applications that come in through your method? Right, because that's, uh, that's the bias. That's the bias question, right? Yeah, we don't have any data on that uh, and we were still early too so and again the other side of what we do we don't actually take full applications so we're not doing an OFCCP uh, DOL compliant application we're taking the front end and almost like a CRM communicating with the candidate up front and they're not applicants so we're very clear with our clients that um, no one in our system should be considered an applicant they, we forward all candidates into the ATS to go through the application process. Um, but what we do know is that I had some stats the other day is eight, for one client, we had a web chat and an SMS chat bot that we were running very similar script from. And uh, the candidates are still on a website, even though they're on the browser uh, and they're answering questions. And the majority of the candidates are still 70% are mobile. And what was interesting was, uh, this was for a hospitality client, and 80%, I think it was like 75% of the people were using an uh, were using iPhones for part-time hourly jobs in hospitality. And I'm like, wow, why do these part-time hourly folks have iPhones? I figured the number of Androids would be much higher, but it wasn't. So. You know, the data is still early. Um, and again, we, don't, we kind of stay away from the applicant side. And again, it's just because we're not a good, SMS at this point is not a good application uh, for an actual apply. It's a good communication tool, but it's not the, um, you know, the be all end all for um, OFCCP type of stuff. Well, that was a that was an education. I always like talking to you because you you get two or three <laughs> amazing notes over the over the course of the conversation, and and I got some takeaways out of this. So, is there anything you want to make sure the readers take away before we're done? 
Yeah, I I think it's you know kind of going back to what you mentioned about the um, you know picking a vendor who knows the industry is um, you know find someone who actually understands your problems in your company and there's lots of them and leverage their knowledge base instead of uh, just listening to the sales pitch. So um, that's my whole pitch because I'm come one of those guys. I don't have all you know. The, I don't have the forty by forty showing up at. Uh, uh, HR tech, but you'll find, I'm sure we could have some great conversations about solving problems in your business pretty quick. So reintroduce yourself and tell us how to get a hold of you. Yeah, my name is Jonathan Duart, uh, the co-founder and CEO of GoHire, and that's GoHire.com, and you can reach me at JD at GoHire.com. Thanks so much, Jonathan. It's been a great conversation. Time just sped by. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Awesome, and thank you very much, John, and appreciate it, and love all your work. Thanks. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Jonathan Doerr, um, who is the CEO and founder of GoJobs.com. No. Uh, you, you that was my CEO old company. This is Go Hire. You bet. <laughs> Go Hire. All right. Well, thanks, Jonathan. It's been great. Bye-bye now. All right, thanks. Have a All right, great thank weekend, you. everybody.